the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm sad. Angelina Jolie has filed for divorce from Brad Pitt. The trigger appears to be a conflict over the kids. Jolie filed legal documents Monday citing irreconcilable differences. She's asking for physical custody of the couple's six children. She's asking the judge to give Pitt visitation. It's significant because she does not want Brad to have joint physical custody, only joint legal custody. Angelina's decision to file has to do with the way Brad was parenting the children. She was extremely upset with his methods. There is no third person, according to people who know the couple. She did this solely because of Brad's interaction with their children. Um, Jolie no, is not God, asking for... Please, no! No! Not, no! I know. Come back in from the window. Come back in from the window. Jolie's not asking for financial support. So the separation started September 15th, 2016. They were married in August 2014. They've been together since 2004. Um, they haven't been together, seen in public, in quite some while. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about this. And you can tell that I'm really, really shaken up on this. I had a marriage last under a year. And I was lucky. So I caught her kind of in a bad position emailing a guy in Paris on the board of directors of Louis Vuitton Boy Hennessy. So anytime I see LVMH, I'm like, no. Um, but that wasn't expensive for me. It didn't ruin my financial health. It was under a year, and I think she was essentially greatly embarrassed, and I think she realized she didn't really want to get married when she did, but she wanted to, but she didn't want to. Um, long story short, it didn't break the bank for either of us, and there was no kids involved, so it was ideal. Splitting up can be expensive. Your cost of living is likely to go up when it's all said and done. 
living together, two people under one roof is cheaper than two people under two roofs. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that suggests an improving uh, economy can help, you know, make the cost of divorce look more manageable to some couples until they, you know, hit the leaner years again. And a lot of couples stay together in the leaner years because they know that they can't financially make it on their own. So I don't think, you know, that's a great concern to them, but it should be to you. People have a greater sense of freedom. They gain more confidence that they could live an independent life in a good economy. Still, you should really, really understand the risks because they can be considerable. And a lot of people make huge mistakes, financially speaking, in divorce. Divorce generally results in a significant financial setback for both parties. Um, if you're considering seeking a divorce, plan carefully in advance so that you can make rational decisions because it's a time in your life where you're not terribly rational. You, A, don't want to overlook assets. A lot of happy couples maintain a division of labor in which one spouse keeps an eye on the finances. But when the marriage starts to falter, the importance of being able to see the whole picture becomes pretty darn clear. My dad you know, managed the money with his my mother uh, for the 40-plus years that they were married. She didn't know anything. He literally gave her taxes to sign you know, 10 minutes before they went to the IRS. And he showed her the last page to sign, not the anything else. Um, so she knew nothing. And I, I got to imagine that was a bit of a problem. So if there's hard-to-value assets in a family, such as like a privately held business, a share of professional partnership or stock options, you may need the assistance of a valuation expert. Um, you don't want to just go for the house. One person goes for the house and one person goes for the 401k. Um, things can change pretty quickly. Let's say you go with the 401k and the market crashes 50%. And the housing's down 20%, but the housing's really not down 20% until you sell. Um, you know, in divorce, sometimes people start to hide stuff from each other. I know one divorce that got so bad that a judge flipped a coin for all the assets in the house. Okay, there's a Persian rug. Who wants it? Heads or tails? And that's what he did. Lenders don't have to let you off the hook, don't forget. Also, because your divorce settlement states that your ex-spouse will pay them off, the best thing to do is pay off all shared debts before the divorce becomes final. Um, don't go, oh, it's okay, you could still use my credit card. Don't be that person. Um, fighting for your fair share makes sense. I know that. Fighting to keep the family home, on the other hand, could cost you big money in the long run. I know your kids go to a great school, and they got good friends, and staying put is tempting. It's particularly the easiest way to make sure that school-age children remain in the same school district. But to me, a house sometimes will stir, you know, memories, and it'll symbolize a lifestyle that's difficult to let go, and sometimes you need to. So when my mom dies, it's been expected that anything that she has be sold in split six ways with her six children. Um, I like doing that with advice to my friends with divorce. So just trying to live an illusion like, oh, everything's fine. I live here with my two children and my husband's oddly gone. 
and every couple weekends there's a strange guy that comes by. Oh, it's okay. Typically, running a household is too expensive for one person, um, and keeping up that illusion is is crazy. You know, I do a lot of yard work. I do a lot of maintenance. That if you know someone were to lose me, they would lose a guy who likes to fix up the home. Um, so divorces can be pretty expensive. Taxes, utilities, maintenance, and other expenses are tied towards houses. So when you say, I want the house in the divorce, and the husband's like, I want the 401k, fine, well, good, see you later. He doesn't have those taxes and the maintenance and the utilities. Um, so I think that's really important. Really important issue, in my opinion, is during divorces, don't seek revenge. Um, don't think that you deserve something. Don't go get a tummy tuck. Don't go get a, a Maserati. Um, a lot of people do it financially speaking. Some people seek revenge, obviously, with dirty tactics and smear campaigns. Don't do that either because you'll probably end up in jail. So, um, I don't know. So, keep in mind that everything's going to be less than you expect. If you're living an affluent lifestyle now, it's probably not going to be as affluent. Uh, don't forget about taxes. So before you complete the divorce papers, consider how different accounts might be treated by a tax collector. Each and every dollar has to pass through the hands of the tax man before the spouse can put it in your pocket. So when you start dividing assets, um, you have to look at post-tax, pre-tax, things along those lines, and you have to get things done. I highly suggest a divorce mediator for Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. They're splits, Phil. It's over. It's finished. All because of the children. I guess it's a good day if you're a woman who's single who's looking for Brad Pitt, and it's a good day if you're a man who's single looking for Angelina Jolie and her six kids. Oh. With that said, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com, Twitter, robblackshow, and YouTube, robblackshow. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Happy day. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. We talked about the Fed a lot recently. I gotta tell you, that kinda gets a little redundant for me. I'm not sure if it does for you. But, we have to tip our, our hat to it a little bit. Bank of Japan and Federal Reserve are going to be talking and releasing data tomorrow. So, what I said yesterday was the first 
basically two and a half days of the market don't mean much to me if they make a move. Um, what happens today in the capital markets would be considered nothing more than a parlor game in polite terms of gambling. Um, if you like parlor games, not disparaging parlor games in any way, shape, or form, I hope. Um, a little M&A going on out there today. Allergan's acquiring Tobira Therapeutics in a deal valued up to about $1.7 billion. Um, it's a super premium, but with that said, uh, not much else is going on. There's a little bit going on in the housing starts. The housing market, you know, kind of is getting mostly good numbers uh, released towards it, uh, economically speaking. But there's some weakness. Housing starts down 5.8% in August. So groundbreaking decreased 5.8%. Seasonally adjusted annual pace of 1.1 million homes. Permits for future construction slipped four-tenths of a percent. So last month's decline was largely anticipated as groundbreaking activity has been running well ahead of permits approvals for the last several months, um, especially in the single-family housing segment. The drop leaves starts just below their second quarter average. Demand for housing is being driven by a tightening labor market, which is lifting wages. So a survey of home builders um, showed confidence hitting an 11-month high. So we're seeing some mix there. Oh, boy. So the holiday spirit is here. You can hear the little kids from Snoopy. The beach towels have been put away. The Halloween costume planning is yet to begin, and yet you're starting to see um, elves on the shelves. You're starting to see reindeer cloaked in plaid. You're starting to see the nutcrackers break out at Christmas. At, uh, U.S. retailers. So holiday hiring is kicking into gear. Beverage retailers have announced they're looking to fill out their ranks. Target's hiring 70,000. Walmart's in the same area. In New York City, winter is so beautiful. But it's hot as heck there right now. So Macy's has begun to roll out its holiday merchandise. The main headquarters store in Herald Square in New York City is setting up little pint-sized Santas, Victorian villages, and baubles for the tree. Every year it gets a little bit sooner, doesn't it? Or is that just me? So yes, let's take a look at the calendar. It's September 20th. But when retailers in the United States, they know you're going to spend so much money for Christmas, and they don't care if you buy it in September, October, November, or December. What's going to be a hot gift this year, I think? Well, I'm sure promising you that GoPro hopes it's the new drone that they've just introduced. So there's already a lot of competition in the marketplace for drones. Um, but GoPro has got kind of a Hollywood caliber handheld stabilization for GoPro cameras. It's the most exciting product that they've ever made, according to the CEO. It does not slice bread. It does not cure hemorrhoids. Um, but some of their footage, you know, will be, you know, cinema quality. The highly anticipated drone called Karma is going to retail for $799. That includes removable stabilizer and the grip controller, as well as the backpack it fits into. What it doesn't include is the camera. 
So you can bundle it with a Hero 5 session for $9.99 or with a Hero 5 Black for $1,099. So this was supposed to come out earlier this year. If you take a look at shares of GoPro, it, it kind of needs a hero. The little Bonnie Tyler, I need a hero. No, I can't even do it. I can't even do it justice. So it's like every bad illusionist... Uh, uses Bonnie Tyler's I Need a Hero from Footloose. And uh, all I can tell you is that GoPro stock really, really needs it. Um, and if you think it's a hit, and you start hearing it's a hit, if you have kids that are like, ma'am, I need a drain. There we go. It's <laughs> taking us to break. Let's have it take us to break, because so, it's a little bit too soon for that. Um... But yeah, if you ever watched any of the, the David Blaine kind of specials, you'll hear that song <laughs> prominently featured on a pretty regular basis. I'm going to float over the Grand Canyon and float right back. And there she is singing on the sidelines. It's all, anyone who believes in that kind of illusionist magic is just, I don't know, I guess in my America I'd put you in prison. So I, I'd definitely do surgery on you. I'd remove something. Um, good news for George Clooney and Amal Clooney. Google's working with them. Ambitious initiative to educate Syrian refugee children in Lebanon. So they get a big old injection of cash and brain power from Google. So Google's got a philanthropic arm, which has donated a million dollars to the Clooney Foundation for Justice. One of the 51 philanthropic efforts from companies around the world announced as President Obama convenes a meeting of world leaders at the U.N., uh, on the refugee crisis, uh, I've got some friends in New York, and they're like, oh, traffic has been brutal, because you, you have a UN meeting, you've got a, a bombing on the street in Manhattan, you've got the president in town, might as well walk or take the subway. White House says corporate commitments for refugee relief total $650 million and will provide employment opportunities for 220,000 refugees and education for 80,000 refugees. So it's good to see Google get it in there. And it's good to see Google hobnobbing, so to speak, um, with the Clooney's. You know, obviously the Clooney's care about something. You may hate them, you may love them, I don't care. Um, but what's happening in Syria right now, and Lebanon in particular, is it's a challenge that is going to have, you know, a horrible outcome if we don't address it intelligently as far as down the road. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. We'll take a break here. Give me a call, 
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Trying to get you to retirement. Trying to get you excited and interested in stocks and investing and retirement issues. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. He does a lovely job of putting together um, regular pieces as well as contributing to Briefing.com on a inconsistent, well, not an inconsistent basis. I guess you're doing it every day and every Friday, right? Uh, that's right. That's right, Rob. I've been doing it uh, every day for about 20 years now, <laughs> and uh, do uh, publish a uh, a broader, uh, big picture piece uh, every Friday. So, what are we looking at today? It seems to me that we've been in Fed Watch for the better part of, I guess, two or three months, maybe even bigger than that. But we seem to be hyper focused right now. Uh, that's that's right. I mean, that's that's pretty much the name of the game. Um, certainly this week, but uh, over you know recent weeks and months, as you as you've suggested, is is it's not even just the concentration on what the Fed will do, but really you know what the ECB will do, what the Bank of Japan will do, um, and you know we're going to get uh, policy decisions out of both the Bank of Japan and um, and the Federal Reserve. So um, you know the Bank of Japan will be first up. And there's a lot of uh, chatter out there that would suggest that it's the more uh, impactful meeting uh, this week, uh, only because the Fed funds user market is pretty much um, banking on the Fed doing nothing. Um, so a um, lot of uncertainty surrounding that Bank of Japan meeting and what it could ultimately mean for government bond markets around the world. So the Japanese have what is referred to as negative interest rates, and maybe they go even more negative. To me, I'm just, that's such a new, it's not such a, it's a a radical concept, I guess is the word I'm looking for. What do negative interest rates imply to you? Um, They imply that, uh, to me, one, that it's a failed concept, uh, and two, that uh, policymakers, the ones who have the ability to, you know, to pull those levers, Really have a lousy outlook for what uh, for what you know their economic potential is, right? Um, they're not uh, all that optimistic if they're taking rates even further into negative territory. And you know, and I think uh, I really hope that the Bank of Japan does not go further down that rabbit hole. Uh, quite honestly, I mean, I think we've seen uh, a lot of um, they got a counterintuitive response in the yen following their move to negative interest rates in in. Uh, in January, that uh, has been counterproductive because it has, you know, helped uh, tamp down inflation uh, in Japan uh, with the stronger yen, and so, uh, and it's also impeded the, you know, the profitability of the Japanese banking sector. And so, doing more of the same um, and expecting a different outcome, I think someone said that that was the definition of insanity. And uh, I think the Bank of Japan, unfortunately, is at risk of, of looking insane here. But uh, we hope that uh, maybe they have some sound decision making and avoid, uh, you know, moving further into negative territory with their interest rates. So correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the basic idea that monetary policy has done everything that it can? Banks have done. They've loaded the bazooka. They've shot the bazooka. They've reloaded the bazooka. They've shot the bazooka. Isn't it up to our politicians now to come up with some job creation ideas, maybe some tax relief, maybe some tax increases? I'm not sure, but isn't the Federal Reserve kind of played out? 
Right. Well, you know, that is, uh, that's increasing in the market narrative these days is that, you know, it's time for, you know, uh, politicians to, to step up and do their part to help, you know, drive, you know, stronger economic growth uh, with, you know, fiscal stimulus. Um, you know, part of the problem, though, is that uh, a lot of the countries that we're talking about are already, in, you know, highly indebted. And so if you come out with some really, you know, aggressive fiscal stimulus plans, you know, how do you, how do you pay for them, you know, and, and how do you avoid, you know, interest rates, um, you know, moving higher on the introduction of, of further fiscal stimulus plans that kind of would then backfire? Um, it's a really just, it's a really tough and difficult period here right now. But, you know, you have to at least, you know, concede to the Federal Reserve that it has a mandate. It's legally obligated to follow its mandate, you know, uh, and, you know, a law that was established by Congress, right, to promote maximum employment and, and price stability. So in the absence of, of any, you know, true help on the fiscal side of the equation, um, you know, monetary policy looks like it's, you know, really gone off the rails. Um, but, you know, the Federal Reserve in some respects is really abiding by the law that it's, you know, has to work under. But, um, but when you look at the, you know, the outcome of it, uh, thus far, where you still see, you know, subpar levels of growth, where you fail to see inflation really picking up in the manner that the Federal Reserve would like to see, you know, it does create this, um, you know, deep-seated sense that monetary policy has hit its limits, uh, and that doing more at this point, uh, you know, really isn't going to accomplish that much, so you might as well let what you've done so far continue to play itself out and hopefully see the introduction of new players perhaps, um, you know, institute policies that would help promote stronger economic growth so that you have a nice, you know, maybe some joint firepower there on both the monetary and fiscal policy side. But but there's no no good sense right now that, you know, fiscal stimulus will really do the trick either. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's a big waiting game is all it is, but I think we're, we've waited long enough and we haven't seen really uh, any strong outcome related to this aggressive monetary policy action. I guess I'm going to ask a crystal ball question, which I try not to do, but <clears throat> I saw today that U.S. companies have something like $2.5 trillion of cash overseas waiting to be repatriated. Um, maybe that's our fiscal stimulus. Maybe Congress gets together and says... We'll give you a lower tax rate, but you have to give us something in the process as well. Sure, you know they'll give you more share buybacks. Right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, will they will they create more jobs with the cash that they bring overseas? You know, maybe. Right? Um, again, it, it's so hard to predict. You just don't know. Um, I think uh, we've tried to go down that road before, um, and I don't think it had as as strong of an outcome as as people would have liked. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cash overseas, but of course, you know, these U.S. companies also have some pretty good sized operations overseas. So even though if you get a tax holiday or a tax cut on repatriated profits, I mean, they're not going to bring back all two and a half trillion dollars. You know, they're using that also to help support their overseas operations. But, um, but there's potential there, but I think ultimately it probably just results more in, uh, some, added stimulus for the stock market because they'll have more cash at their disposal to, to, continue to buy back stock in, in large amounts. With that said, I own stock, and I feel wealthier when stocks do buybacks and the shares go up, and I do tend to go, well, 401K is looking great, so I will spend a little extra on vacation. So 
psychologically it makes me feel feel wealthier, and I do spend more with um, the higher share price. So I kind of like it, but I know that it doesn't have you know a real tangible necessarily as much as it does psychological for a lot. Um, anything else that you're working on right now that we should be uh, looking into, finding important other than interest rates? Well, it's kind of you know along the lines of almost what you were just talking about, Rob. I think I'm going to be looking at really the the emphasis that the you know the Fed's monetary policy, you know, when Bernanke started things off, really with driving this concept of a wealth effect, uh, leading to stronger levels of economic growth. And you know, again, it's part of the the failed aspect of monetary policy because. You know, at the end of the day, um, I think a little bit over 50% of U.S. households actually own stock. So those of us who do and, you know, see their 401ks going up and feel better about spending because of those rising values, that ultimately means nothing for a good portion of, of the United States. And I think that that contributes to why we continue to see some subpar levels of economic growth because the policy itself was only targeted really at, you know, half of U.S. households. But aren't we seeing statistics that say it was a good year last year for middle income, lower income, i.e. people that may not own stocks, uh, maybe well, because of the higher minimum wages? Am I stretching to feel better about myself, or am I stretching? No, I, you know, that, and that, that was a nice thing to see, right? Household, median household income up 5.2% in 2015. Mm-hmm. That's really, that is what you want to see, right? Um, that should ultimately translate into higher levels of consumer spending, which lead to stronger levels of, of economic growth. My point was simply that, you know, we're, you know, seven years into this now, and you're maybe just starting to see some green shoots of, of optimism as it relates to the um, potential boost from higher levels of income on the, on the U.S. economy, but it's really taking a long time to unfold. But And I think that the idea of this wealth effect, though, has just been kind of misplaced uh, as a directive for the monetary policy. So, um, But, you know, to the extent that you can promote policies that lead to stronger levels of employment, higher wages, and the like, you know, that should translate into stronger levels of economic growth. But just simply targeting, you know, having a policy that, you know, helps drive up stock prices in an artificial manner, that's good for some, but it's certainly not good for all. And I think that's been ultimately reflected in the GDP numbers we've seen for the last seven years. Anything else out there that you're uh, taking an eyeball at? Uh, Maybe the elections? Well, yeah, keeping a close eye on that. It's interesting because, you know, you're seeing the polling numbers uh, start to upset the... uh, uh, the consen- conventional wisdom, you know, that that it w- was prevailing coming out of those um, nominating conventions, and so it would appear as if Mr. Trump has made some strides as, as it relates to these polling numbers. But I, I think it just underscores uh, that uh, what we saw coming, you know, in front of the Brexit vote, uh, that you're going to see a lot of volatility tied to each passing poll. The closer we get to the election. And I think it's going to create a lot of reservations on the part of businesses and their willingness to invest in new new uh, new activities, and probably lead to some choppiness within the stock market as we uh, as we draw closer to that uh, first Tuesday in November. You're the best. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I start my day every day uh, by clicking on a link in my email to his opening um, bell comments. So good stuff. Page one. You can find more at Briefing.com. That's Briefing.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Housing starts down 5.8% in August. That's more than expected. There's a tightening labor market that is basically saying our wages are going higher. We want to buy more houses or we want to buy homes and get into homes. So we want to keep an eye on that. Uh, consumer, co- not consumer confidence, but home builder confidence uh, hit a high, 11 month high in September with builders bullish about current sales um, now and over the next six months. So housing should continue to be a nice part of our economy. Uh, GoPro's got that new drone that's going to be uh, flying onto the shelves uh, right about now. It's the highly anticipated drone called Karma. $800 for a basically glorified kite, in my opinion. Um, I started becoming, I think, wealthier in my mind. Maybe not in reality, but in my mind when I stopped buying things like $800 helicopters. Um... Premium gasoline uh, provides no extra benefits to cars than those that use regular. Research was done by AAA, and they think the U.S. motorist wasted about $2.1 billion in 2015 buying premium gasolines for cars that don't require it. So I always go with regular. And there's actually a gas station in my city that it's kind of creepy. <laughs> I don't think it has a name. Um if you know what I'm saying. So I go in for a fill-up, and they actually have full service, but I won't do full service because I refuse to pay that kind of money for that. But you go in, and you get their gas there. It's like 40 cents cheaper than brand-name gas, and that's a lot of money. It's 10% off, roughly. Um, That's for something that's California-mandated recipes inside of it. I'm fine with that. As long as it hits California's minimums, then should be good. Apple is admitting that it's got a problem with the iPhone, which is not good for Apple. Um, they say the headphone jack has a problem. So, But they said it's they've shown courage when they talked up about the all-digital future built around the Lightning port. But so far, not off to a good start. iPhone 7 owners have found that Apple's new Lightning earpods regularly crash. This leaves users still able to hear music, but the controls are frozen, so you are unable to operate the volume. Um, And you can't answer calls from Siri. Apple says it'll be fixed in a software update soon. Yesterday, President Barack Obama made a statement on self-driving cars, saying, you know, we're going to get the nation's highways safer, and with more cars that are driven by machines and not people. So the Obama administration promised strong safety oversight, but sent a clear signal to automakers that the door is wide open for driverless cars. I appreciate Good. that. I appreciate you appreciating that, because I think, uh, um, you know, on a regular basis, I, I saw come into work today and I see a, a woman who was in Oakland last night, trashed and driving, and she destroys her car and kills herself in the process. Um... We don't have to have that down the road. So we can have cars that can drive home a drunk. Is that still driving under the influence? Probably. Is this something that needs to be figured out? Probably. Um, But I assure you, I've got a neighbor, and he's got a daughter who's 
15. He won't let his 15-year-old daughter drive with his 17, 18-year-old son in the car because she's a chatterbox. And uh, he said, see the stint on the car? It was when his daughter was talking to his wife. See the stint on the car? He's like, this is when my daughter was talking to me. It's like, I won't let my daughter drive with my son because she's a chatterbox. Um, and I guess he's saying the family's easily distracted, but we don't have to have this have to happen. Um, and it's sooner than later. And that should help insurance companies who need it with low interest rates hurting their business model. Kmart's going to close 64 more stores in the world of business ecology. Um, only the strong survive. And I remember growing up in the 80s and 90s and going into a Kmart store and just being wowed by how much crap was in there. So you need, you know, plastic blow-up pool toy at Christmas? Oh, they got it. Um, you know, you need a ski mask and ski poles in, in June? Oh, they've got that too. So how do you compete with Amazon? Seriously. When I sat on the toilet the other day, and I'm down to one roll of toilet paper. I grabbed my phone. I know you're saying that's disgusting. Are you looking at your phone while you're pooping? Yes. Um, I know, right? And uh, so, boom, hit the uh, order, you know, 12 cases or 12, a 12-pack 12 toilet paper. Boom, it's at my house in two days. So, uh, lovely, lovely. How does Kmart, how does even Costco compete? Costco competes with cheap gasoline. So, elsewhere out there, healthcare is very much the news these days, whether it's Donald Trump going on Dr. Oz so we can learn that he's fat or Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton saying that, you know, she had pneumonia, but she's fit as a fiddle. But I just want to set uh, the record straight. Twenty nine percent of all U.S. workers are now in high deductible plans. It's up from 20 percent two years ago. I'll tell you, as a guy, as a man, I'm a man's man. You should check out my chest hair. I'm a man. I'm such a man that I've got hair on the butt of my feet. That's what sort of man I am. Uh, strike that last kind statement. Of a big That's deal. Not true. So anyway, um, insurance isn't great. I've got you know great insurance, and I feel like it's not great insurance. So Samsung Galaxy Note Seven users, um, because their phones are blowing up, they get they were recalled, and it turns out about thirty five percent are seeking a refund, twenty six percent are buying iPhones. And something like twenty one percent are staying with other Samsung phones. So that's good news for Apple. Uh, Wells Fargo has been taking cuts from checks. They've been cutting checks to congressional questioners. So they're going to get interviewed by 20 out of 22 members of the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs that they've already cut checks to. We have a f- messed up system. A messed up system. And this song is even a messed up story. We'll talk about that and more in future episodes. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.